we are celebrating church. When I say we are celebrating church, it means we are celebrating us and we are celebrating who we are together in Christ. As I've been saying, this is not a timeline celebration. Today is not our birthday as our church. It's not a special anniversary. We're not celebrating a, a new, new facility or a, or a new project. Today is a spontaneous celebration. We are pausing from the regular rhythm of the church to celebrate who we are together in Christ. Biblically, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God always calls His people to look back and celebrate what God has done in their lives. And such celebrations have biblical power. In the Old Testament, celebrating all that God had done in the past released God's power for the present. And this is true for us too. The communion, which we're going to do later, which is a celebration of what God has done for us in the past, it releases God's power for us in the present. So celebration has biblical power. This morning as we uh, celebrate church, I'd like to preach from a passage in the Bible uh, which tells specifically what God is doing in the church. And even if this is your first time in a church, and you, you might not consider yourself to be a Christian, you're who we would call an explorer, someone who's interested in Jesus, maybe just curious about him, and you're checking Jesus out, you're kind of wondering what this church thing is all about. Uh, what I have to share uh, will not only be, I hope, meaningful to you, uh, but I, I really believe there's something that you can take away uh, even for your life uh, as an explorer uh, right now. So allow me to read the passage from the Bible first. I'm reading from uh, a book called Ephesians in the New Testament of the Bible, chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. For through Him, that is Christ Jesus, through Christ, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also <clears throat> members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, that's Christ, the whole building is being joined together, rise us to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Christ, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. We're going to focus on that last verse, the last sentence we read this morning. But let me give us a quick context. The original context is Paul is writing this uh, to two people groups. One is the Jews who were always worshipping the God of the Bible who were expecting the Messiah to come, but sadly when Jesus did come, not many of them recognized or accepted him. So that's one group. And there is another group, not the Jews, everybody else except the Jews, the Bible calls them the Gentiles, and, and, and this group had just come to know about Jesus. Uh, they, had, they were explorers who had come to faith in Jesus. 
And Paul is writing to both these groups and saying God has joined both of you together to become one body. That's the original context in which this passage is written. But in our context, we're going to look at us, how each of us are very diverse. We come from different backgrounds. We speak different, we grew up in different cities. We have different careers. We, we, we follow different professions. Some of us are students. Some of us are homemakers. We have different aspirations in life. And yet, God is building us together as a church. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, verse 22. And in Christ, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Allow me to pray for a minute before we uh, dive into the passage. <clears throat> Father, we worship You. We, we, um, we ask You, Lord, would You help every one of our hearts see the beautiful and the wholesome plan that you have for us, every one of us. Lord, I know some of us are disappointed, some of us are broken, uh, some of us are discouraged because we are seeing only pieces. But I believe this morning God is calling us to see, receive, and enjoy his wholesome blessing upon every one of us, Lord. And so pray, we pray in the name of Christ Jesus, through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that this wholesomeness, we'll, every one of us here will experience here and now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'd like to draw <clears throat> just three things for us uh, from this uh, passage. We can have a little more sound on the monitors, please. Thank you. We're going to be looking at a definition of church. We're going to be looking at three expressions of church. And we'll close with our response. A definition of the church, three expressions of church, and our response. So let's start with the definition of church. It's extremely important for us to understand what church really is. And, and this passage is quite helpful for us in, in forming a biblically accurate understanding of church. This passage makes it clear that church is not just a building. But I guess we all know that already. This passage also makes it clear that church is not just an event. Uh, the Sunday service is an important part of the church. It's a very important expression of the church. But the Sunday service in itself, the Sunday service in isolation itself, is not the complete church. So what is church? You look at verse 22, the, the words that we're going to, really going to, we're going to be focusing on this morning. And in Christ, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So the local church is a group of people who are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. <clears throat> Let's, let's think this through a little bit. What is the passage telling us about where exactly God is dwelling? This passage is making clear that God is not dwelling in a building. This passage is making it clear that God is not dwelling in an event. But so where is God dwelling? And this passage is showing us that God 
is dwelling among the people who are being built together. So God is dwelling in the relationships between the people who are being built together in Christ Jesus. So this connection that we have with each other, this friendship that we have with each other, this fellowship that we have with each other, this is where God dwells. That's what this passage is telling us. As we come together, learn to enjoy one another in Christ, learn to love one another in Christ, it is in this relationship with each other, it is here that God dwells tangibly, physically. The true church is not a building or an event. The true church is the relationship that we have with one another in Christ. And I, I want to invite us to just, just reflect on that just a little bit. Have you ever considered that, of course, God dwells in each of us by His Holy Spirit. That's true. But have you, have you considered that God also dwells in the relationship we have with one another? And this, this relationship, this connection, friendship that we have with each other in Christ, if that is where God dwells, how do we build a church? By just building these friendships and relationships we have with one another in Christ. That's really, I think, a biblically accurate uh, description, definition of what church is. And that's the first thing I wanted to draw for us. The second thing I want to draw for us from this one verse we're looking at this morning is the three expressions of the church. And so these are the three expressions of the church. First, we're being built together. That's the first expression. The second expression, we are being built together. And the third expression, we are being built together. I'm sure you're wondering, why I'm repeating the same phrase, uh, we are being built together three times over. It's because I'm trying to unpack three different aspects of what it, what it really looks like practically to being built together. And the emphasis on different words is going to help us uh, on, on that journey. The first thing, first of the three expressions I want to unpack for us is we are being built together. Verse 22 again. And in Christ, you are being built together, being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by the Spirit. We are being built together. Think about this. Who is doing the building here? Who is the one who is building here? Are we building ourselves together? That's not at all what the verse says. This verse says we are being built together. We are passive in a sense. Somebody else is building us together. Who is that who is building us together? It is God himself. It is God who is building us all together in Christ Jesus. It is God who is building New City Church. So one of the things we do want to celebrate this morning is how much God has built us. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, and even those of us who are explorers, who enjoy hanging around this, in this community and, and exploring Jesus at your own pace. And we want to celebrate you as well. And one of the factors 
not the only one, one of the factors that's triggered the celebration, that kind of prompted us that, hey, we need to have a, a service to celebrate what is, God is doing. One of the reasons we are doing this is that New City has just crossed about 100 people now in terms of the entire community. We always see believers and explorers as part of one community. Explorers who are checking Jesus out, uh, they do have a very meaningful role, part of a community. They belong to us as well. And so we've crossed 100 people, and that's definitely something to cheer about. I think we should give God a big hand for that. You know, it is, it is something to cheer about. As I've been saying, we're not building this together. God is building us together. So as of August, we were about 32 people who are active and serving. I mean, if you walk in here at 9.45 in the morning, the energy here is something else altogether. Week after week, so many people come to serve, to, 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 to do everything they can to make sure that God's people come and enjoy worshiping Jesus together. And so if you're part of that team serving, uh, active and serving, we want to celebrate you this morning. We want to celebrate us this morning. Absolutely. We also have another 32 people who are kind of connected uh, deeply to New City, and, and they are growing in their serving. Everyone I speak to, nobody says, Jude, why would I want to serve in any way? I just want to come back, sit back, enjoy, and go back. Nobody ever says that. Everybody wants to participate. Everybody wants to, you know, kind of do something that they can uh, to, 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 to be part of this journey together. And so, so these are 32 people who are just kind of getting integrated. We want to celebrate them too. We also have about 14 people who are explorers, who are still checking Jesus out, who are kind of curious about him, but they enjoy hanging out with us, and we welcome them. We have five kids, and you can see them around, beautiful, joyful faces, um, and all things to celebrate. Uh, but the reality is, and I want to be honest here, sadly, uh, we also have about 18, 20 people who are unengaged. They're not disengaged. Disengaged means they've just... They just disconnected from New City. No, that's not the case. They are unengaged. Uh, they are in a season where they don't really find being together in community uh, a, a, a priority. Uh, that's sad, but that, that's real, and uh, we want to uh, respect the challenges they are facing and where they are uh, in their journey as well. And apart from these, we also have about 20, 25 people who, who have moved to other cities, etc., and they're being a blessing there. We want to celebrate uh, that as well. So I want to shout it out. I want to scream it out and, and say that categorically, it is God who is building us together. We have not built this hundred. God has built us together. And that's definitely a cause for celebration. The cause for concern, as I said, about 20% are unengaged. And, and also on an average, um, sadly, only about 60% um, uh, are there on an average uh, every Sunday. And that's definitely a cause for concern. And, and uh, as I, I've been sharing, we all have our journey. Uh, God is faithful, and he is drawing us to himself, and he's going to help us grow in just enjoying uh, uh, church. I want to pack just one more thing, which is very important here. This verse says, we are being built. To and therefore... This verse tells me that none of us, not one of us, we have come to New City on our own. Because this verse tells me that we are being built together, 
This verse tells me, therefore, that it is God who has sovereignly brought every single one of us together in New City. Maybe it's for, for some of us, it's a long season. Maybe some of us, it's a short season. Only God is sovereign. Only He knows. But He has brought us together. It is God who is building us together. If the five people who started New City a few years ago, if we've grown to 100, it is, it is God who brought the first five together. And, excuse me, it is God who has brought the rest 95 together. And if I may say so, in faith, it is God who's going to build, bring the next 100 together. And it is God who's going to fill 20 downtown by 2020. Amen. I mean, that's, that's faith. That's celebrating what is not yet come. And that's what we are doing today. Celebrating in faith that God's going to bring. That God's going to bring explorers. God's going to bring followers. And he's going to knit us all together. <clears throat> and so God has bought every one of us. And this has pretty deep implications. I really want to encourage us to think through this. So stay with me here for a moment, please. <clears throat> if God has brought us all together so that he can build us together, so that he can dwell in the relationships we have with one another, if that is God's plan, if that is why God is bringing us together, so that he can dwell in our relationships with each other, that's what this verse is saying. If that is true, and it is, and are we not rebelling against God if we remain disengaged with each other? Are we not walking in alignment with God's purposes if we are not investing in building our friendships and our relationships and our love for one another? And if this is God's plan, and it is, are we not uh, aligning with God's plan for us if we are kind of missing more Sundays than we come? You know, as I've been emphasizing from the beginning, the Sunday morning worship service is not the church in itself, but it is a very important expression of, of what church is. And it is, I think, the most important platform, along with our gap groups, where we can grow in our relationships with one another. The central glue in our relationship with one another is Christ. And that's what we do all together on Sundays, proclaim uh, Christ. And that's why... The Sunday morning service is so important. And if you're one of those who, who have this desire to be consistent, to be regular, but if you've not been able to do that this morning, God is going to give us the grace to make that commitment and to live that commitment out. So that's the first expression of church that I wanted to talk about. The second expression of church that I want to talk about is that we are being built together. And to really ex understand what this verse is trying to communicate, allow me to replace the word built with the word grown. We are being grown together. That's one of the things uh, that this verse is communicating. Now, I know most of us are city folks, and uh, we might not be, none of us, I'm sure, have PhDs in agriculture. None of us have worked the farmlands. Uh, so I know we might not understand the intricacies of farming, but I know some basics of farming we all understand. So the illustration I'm going to use, I think we'll all be able to kind of track with. Imagine a rice plantation or, or a coffee farm or whatever comes to your mind. Now, obviously, the farmer who owns this piece of land, this farm, 
obviously the farmer cares for and nurtures all the plants in the plantation equally. And how exactly does he go caring and nurturing and growing these plants? He does that together. When he waters the plants, he goes to the farm and waters all the plants together. I mean, have you seen a farmer who would say, Oh, my pretty sweetie plant, I love you so much, and water only that plant and go away? No. The farmer loves all the plants equally, and he's going to water all the plants together. He's going to fertilize. When the time has come to fertilize the plants, he's going to fertilize the entire farm together. When the time has come to prune the plants, he's going to prune the plants together. When the plants need pest control, he's going to give, you know, do apply pest control together. Now imagine one plant which says, I'm very special. I don't have time to stay in the farm. I'm going to live next to the farmer's house. And the plant moves and plant itself, plants itself next to the farmer's house. You think it's going to work? It is not going to work. The farmer wants to nurture all the plants together. And he wants all the plants to be grown together. In roughly the same way, in roughly the same way, and I'll clarify this a little bit as we go along, God is also growing us together. Think of the church as a farm. Just as a farmer waters and nurtures all plants together, in some ways God is also growing and nurturing us, all of us together, even though each of us have very individual identities and careers and personalities and lives. Please don't hear me wrong on this. Of course, God knows every one of us individually. He knows every single detail that's happening in every one of our lives. And he cares deeply for every one of us. But yet, he desires to grow us together as the local church. Salvation is a deeply individual experience. But saved people were never designed to live a merely individual existence. Of course, God has deep personal relationships with each of us individually. We're all called to pray to God alone. We're all called to uh, read and meditate and pray through His Bible by ourselves. But let me say this. God desires to bless us together as a church far more than he blesses us as individuals. I'm going to clarify this. I'm going to establish this biblically. I'm not saying God will not bless us as individuals. But I'm saying biblically, God will bless us more communally as a community together than merely bless us individually. I know that seems like a pretty radical thing to say. But hang on with me. I'm going to walk us through the Bible to give us a sense, to establish what I'm saying biblically. God's blessings of prosperity and flourishing promised to us all through the Bible are predominantly communal blessings and not merely individual blessings. Let me, let me establish this biblically. You know, the greatest chapter of blessing in the Bible is probably 
Deuteronomy chapter 28. We just read that in our community Bible readings. Let me read that passage for us. And even as I read this, I want to pray that in faith as a prayer of blessing over every one of us and even those of us who are not there. I'm going to just do that in faith. Look at this blessing. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your netting bowl. In modern language, blessed shall be your servings account and mutual fund portfolio. Blessed shall be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you, to be defeated before you. They you one way and they will flee out seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land the, God is, the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Now how have we applied this blessing? We've applied this blessing to each of us individually. But that's not the context here. If you remember the context in Deuteronomy, Moses, who was leading Israel, he calls all the Israelites together. He gathers them, and this is something he's telling to them, not as mere individuals, but he's selling, telling this to them as a nation. This blessing, the greatest blessing chapter in the Bible, is, is given to us as a blessing, as a community. All of us together enjoy it, as opposed to each of us enjoying it merely by ourselves. I'm going to walk us through to establish this case biblically. You know, one of the most popular verses of blessing in the Bible is from Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. All of us know the verse by heart, I think. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, we all take this and apply this individually. But what's the context here? God is speaking to all of Israel who's out there in exile in Babylon. We've just walked through a series on Daniel. And so this blessing, this promise that I'm going to give you, I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, plans to give you hope. It's not a mere one-on-one blessing. It's a blessing we enjoy together as community. Look at Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verses 1 to 2. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Seems like a very individual blessing, but hang with me. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, and the flame shall not consume you. This is the second part of the word. The first part of the verse, which is there for us in the next slide, is this. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. This is happening in Isaiah. Israel, Jacob, who was one man, has now become a nation. And so this promise of blessing is to a nation, is to a community of God's people. Not an individual, but a nation, but a community, but a local church. Salvation is a deeply individual experience, but saved people were never designed to live or be blessed merely as an individual existence. I've, I've built my case biblically that God blesses us, desires to bless us communally more than just merely individually. Let me kind of just, just dwell on this a little bit more. 
The church, the church, dear friends, is not a blackjack table. How many of us have played blackjack? I bet none of us have played blackjack. It's an alien game. So let me, let me explain what blackjack is to you. It's a very unique card game. It's not like the card games we've probably played, Rummy or some of the games. Uh, in every card game that I think we are more familiar with, people sit around the circle and play the game with each other. So in the card game, there is a community that's happening. But blackjack is a very different card game. There are a group of people playing, to each, playing the game together, but they are not playing the game with each other. So in blackjack, I'm sure you've seen maybe in a James Bond movie or whatever, uh, the dealer is sitting at the center of the table. And around the dealer are maybe eight, 10 people who are playing the game. Now, they are all playing the game with the dealer. The game is happening between the dealer and every individual player. These players have nothing to do with each other. They're just playing with the dealer, and they win or lose based on what happens between them and the dealer. It just so happens they're sitting next to each other. That's how blackjack is played. We cannot reduce our relationship with God to blackjack dynamics, choosing to relate to God and receive his blessings merely as individuals. That's not what God wants. That's not God's plans for us. So if some of us think that church is a blackjack table, I just come to the table so I can play with the dealer. I just come to church so I can receive God's blessings. That's not a biblical view of church. That defeats, I would even say, the very purpose of redemption. You see, God saved us not because each of us will become his bride individually. God saved us because together as the church, we will be his bride. And this morning, I really want to encourage us to think about what is the paradigm of church that we have. Is it a black shack table or do we have this paradigm of a farmland where God is growing us all together? You know, statistics are cold numbers. They don't have life, they don't have life, but they don't lie. And statistics tell us that on average, every week, uh, about 20 to 30 of us who belong to New City uh, are not able to come together to worship Jesus. So even though we are a community of 100, and that's what we are one of the things we are celebrating this morning, on an average, only about 60 turn up. Now, I, I understand that we all travel, we all need a break, we go out on weekends, and absolutely fine. That's, you know, that's not what I'm getting at here. But some of us, on an average, we kind of just manage to come once a month or once in two months. If that's you, then I want to really encourage you to change your paradigm of church. Church is not a blackjack table. In this passage, God is clearly saying that he wants us to bless us together. Again, allow me to just, just help us reflect on this a little bit more. God is saying very clearly, he wants to build us together. But what are we crying out? What is our cry? 
our cry is bless me alone. God is saying, God wants to build us together, but we want God to bless us alone. God is saying, I want to bless you together, but we are saying, no Lord, bless me alone. God is saying, I want to bless you together. And you're saying, no, I am passionate about my career. Bless me alone. Just just bless me. Make me prosperous. Make me flourish. God is saying, I want to build you together. And again, we are crying out back to God, build me alone. Deep inside, deep inside, let me, let me ask us honestly, isn't that the paradigm? Deep inside, our prayers, our desires, our ambitions. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying being successful in life is bad. No, on the contrary, New City, we are, we are designed, we exist to reach ambitious and successful and influential people. Not because they are more important than others, but because if we do not reach them, we cannot reach this country. We cannot reach the city. And, and we're designed, and that's why we meet in a hall like this, and, and everything we do is designed to that. So we celebrate that. But we're not going to be caught up with personal success alone. Some of us, especially those of us who are kind of struggling to come consistently and you know, to enjoy Jesus, worshiping Jesus together in church, we're saying, Lord, bless me alone, but I will not come to church. Bless me alone, but I will not give myself to be part of a church or, or truly belong to the church. We are so busy, so caught up in chasing personal career success and that we are crying out to God, God, bless me alone, bless me alone, bless me alone. Oh God of the blackjack table, bless me alone. Isn't that a cry? We are constantly seeing Jesus as an individual God, a God who will bless us individually. Yes, he will bless us individually. But he's not going to settle just for that. He's not in the business of redemption so that he can redeem each of us and we can be happy souls by ourselves. That's not his plan of redemption. His plan of redemption is that here on earth, now we will exist as a church together. His plan of redemption, that in eternity to come, we will be one body together, his bride. God is saying he wants to dwell in our relationship with one another. He wants to, he's saying that his preferred dwelling place, he's saying he delights in living in the friendship we have with one another, in the connection we have with one another. And so God is calling us to the plantation he is farming, but we would rather meet God at the blackjack table. Now, I don't want anyone to feel condemned here. If you've come to, to the service after two months or, or three months, please don't feel condemned. That's not the heart at all. But I do want you to feel convicted. I do want you to embrace the truth and the beauty of church. So are we going to allow God to build us together or are we going to keep crying out, God, bless me alone, bless me alone, bless me alone. <coughs> <clears throat> that's one of the core reasons 
why we don't come to church. That's one of the core reasons why we don't celebrate church enough. We don't celebrate church enough. We don't celebrate each other, who we are together in Christ enough. Because we are kind of so preoccupied with, with mere individual success. But if this is our heart problem, a deep inside, and I, I don't want to make myself an exception. I'm no different. Deep inside, I care a lot of my personal success. And, and truth be told, there are moments, and there are dark moments in my soul, and I, I have to confess, there are dark moments in my soul where my success as a church planter or a pastor is more important to me than all of our flourishing together as God's children. I have to wrestle with this sinful inclination in my heart every week. I have to crucify this with Christ so that I live for Christ and not for myself. It's a battle in my soul every day. Deep inside, all of us, this is what we struggle with. I think one of the things, the, the most profound thing that actually takes us away from God is God bless me alone. And the most profound thing that actually keeps us together with God is God build us together. I think that's the real key. If you're able to crack that, I, I believe as we love God, as we give ourselves to be built together, God will also bless us individually. And the deep flourishing we long for, we will get that. But that's not the main thing. That's just added unto you. The real deal is God blessing us together as a community. So if that is all of our sin problem, if that's what we are struggling with, what hope for transformation do we have? Who's going to change us? Who's going to give us the power to repent and, and change? Who's going to snuff out this cry of God bless me alone and who's going to birth in our hearts this cry God build us together it is Jesus Christ Jesus he is the one who cried out build us together father when he had every right to cry out bless me alone look at the words we are looking at this morning and in Christ in Christ, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. In Christ, we are being built together. Christ is the very basis of our coming together to be God's dwelling place. In Christ. You know, unlike every one of us who have messed up big time in one way or the other, unlike every one of us, Christ lived the perfect life. And he was tempted in every way just as we are. He was without sin. He, he obeyed God and fulfilled all of God's commands in every single way. And so at the end of his life, having lived a perfect life, Jesus was the only man who had the right to say, God bless me alone. Because he was the only perfect man. Justly, Jesus should have seen all of us, seen all of our selfishness. He should have seen all of our greed. He should have seen all of our faithlessness. He should have seen our indifference to God quite often. He should have seen all that. And Jesus should have said, God, 
these people don't deserve to be blessed. Bless me alone. He would have been just in saying that. But when he was nailed to the cross, he did not cry, bless me alone. When he was being nailed to the cross, Jesus said, curse me alone, Lord. Punish me alone. Because I am taking the punishment and the curses for, for the sins of everybody else upon myself. Curse me alone so that everybody else can be blessed. Curse me alone, O oh Father. Punish me alone, O oh Father, so everybody who comes to faith in me, everybody who believes in me, can be forgiven and, and, and transformed. And so Jesus, the Son of God, was cursed and punished by God the Father for all of your sins and mine. And so Jesus did not cry out, bless me alone, but Jesus cried out, Father, build us together. And that brings us to the third and the last expression of church I want to draw us. We are being built together. If I use the farm, illustration of a farm in the earlier uh, uh, expression, uh, this one is, think of it as us being, uh, uh, how fabric is being woven together. How, how different strands of thread are kind of knitted together to form one beautiful piece of, of fabric. We are being knit together. We're all being woven together. We're being knit together to become the bride of Christ. We're being woven together to become the body of Christ. That is what church is. The bride and the body of, of Christ. Not individually, not just individually, but together as one community. So, how do we find the power? How do you find the grace? How do we find the faith? How do we find the courage to give up our cry of bless me alone? And how do we find the faith to whisper the prayer, build us together? To cry the prayer, build us together? And the answer is very simple. To the extent we appreciate Jesus giving up his right to be blessed alone so that he could be built together with us. We could be built together with him. To that extent, we die to our desire of individual blessings and live in order to be built together. When we fix our eyes on Jesus who gave up everything so we can be saved, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we go, we rise above our mere individual ambition and seek the greater flourishing of our community as a whole. And the key to that, friends, is celebration. When we come together to celebrate Jesus, we fix our eyes on Jesus and what we receive as part of that celebration is freedom and, and, and release. We are set free. As I close, I want to close with three responses. Uh, we're going to mount an easel up here. And, and somebody's going to uh, do that for us in a bit before the band comes up. So I want, to, I want us to respond in three ways. I want to give us three ways in which you may choose to respond. First... Do you sense God laying on your heart that, he, that you want to give up this cry of bless me alone, Lord, 
and, and build us together. If you're feeling that, would you make a commitment with God in your heart? God, for the next seven weeks, would you help me to come consistently on Sundays? You're doing that as an expression of your commitment of being surrendering yourself to being built together. Now, if you feel that desire, make that commitment. So that's, this is between you and God. We'll give you some time to pray and, and you know, you take the time to and, and pray. And if you feel the desire to make that commitment, uh, we're going to have an easel mounted up. Felix, if you can get the easel up. Uh, that has just the words New City written, and, and there's a space in between there in, in, in white. And there's paint, different colors of paint. And the different colors represent that we are all individual. That God loves us, cares for us, saves us individually. What we are saying even as individuals, we want to be built together. So pick a color that you fancy, that you think expresses yourself, and paint whatever you want inside that outline. And so with each of us come and, and, and paint something, uh, all the different colors are going to come together. And we do this not as a mere painting, but we do this as a prophetic expression of our commitment. You know, celebration, as I said, is not a celebration of just what things as they are, but celebration is a celebration of things that are to come. And as we paint, and as we give ourselves in this painting to remain in this community, God will bring blessing and flourishing. So I want us to take time with this. Don't rush this. Don't rush this. And... And we don't have to psych ourselves, oh, I'm going to come next seven weeks on the... No. We, we surrender. God, give me grace. So this is the second expression that we have. And as you do that, the third expression is communion. When we eat of the bread which represents the body of Christ, and we drink of the cup that represents his blood, we belong to Christ. We belong to a God who has called us to also belong to one another. And when we walk up to communion, every commitment you've made here, through that prayer, through by painting this, here you find the power to live that commitment out. You see, God is not calling us to live on our strength. God is not calling us to live on our good intentions. God is not calling us, God is not living, leaving us to survive by our willpower. He is calling us to survive by grace, which is we are empowered by God freely and fully. And so this is a means of grace. As you partake in this, you receive God's power. And as you do that, oops, sorry, I got it. As you do that, you'll find a card here in many ways in which you can serve. If you know of a way which in which you want to serve, which is not here, just turn it and write that here. If you want, we'd love to see everybody serving. And no, don't feel compelled. If you want to, you're welcome to do that as well. So that's another way in which you can express your commitment to being the bride of Christ, to being the body of Christ. I want to pray and close, and then we'll move into communion. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the celebration. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. As we move into these, these expressions of faith, I pray in the name of Jesus.
that truly, Lord, your power will change us. Your spirit will change us. Your son will change us. Your word will change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.